know if you want to share it right out of the gate because Phil's been missing a, a few weeks as far as uh, the jokes go, and it hasn't gone unnoticed. And I'm tired, so you know if they're stupid, it's just that's how it works. So knock knock. Abby. Abby New Year. Hey. Well, you know they say youth is being allowed to stay up till midnight on New Year's Eve. The middle age is being forced to stay up till midnight on New Year's Eve, and I feel it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, it's, it hurts now staying up that late. But, but I've made some resolutions. I've decided to stop some of my, uh, my more, more clingy type habits. But then I decided nobody really likes a quitter, so I'm just going to stick with it. I did decide to stop procrastinating, but I'll probably do that next year. Um, this year's kind of getting full as far as decisions go, um, and uh, you know it's. Y'all can't, can't judge me on that. We know New Year's resolutions just go in one year and out the next. So, you know, it's, we know how it goes. And I'm done. I'm done. You don't have to come get me. Um, 2021, uh, at least for me, um, it, this, this was a long, long year. This year felt like three years. I mean, it's the year that would never end. There was, you had challenges. There was changes. Um, but you all made it. Go you all. Pat yourself on the back. You're here in 2022 because you survived 2021. Um, you got through everything I had to throw at you, and then some, and you're here now. Uh, well, maybe not here now. If you're if you're watching on Facebook, you count too. Um, definitely, definitely challenges. Um, some of us uh, lost loved ones, but some of us added a few new ones too. Uh, some of us lost pounds. Some of us. Might have gained a few, um, but it's in the rearview mirror. 2021, there you go. It's done. And now everybody's excited for 2022. And there's always much to be made of, of New Year's resolutions every year. Uh, you resolve to be better with your health, uh, with your finances, uh, read the Bible more, pray more, spend more time with family. Um, and those, those are good things. Uh, although we'd probably be better served if we didn't wait till January of every year to start doing them if we just went ahead and started. Um, but anyway, and so I don't really want to talk to you about any one resolution. Um, I, I do want to talk to you about a mindset, though, a, a, a three-part modus operandi, a, um, a way of operating um, that we need all the time, uh, not just at New Year's. Um, and it's a worldview that will help shape your decisions and help give you the power and the purpose uh, to help stick with maybe some of those New Year's resolutions or just regular everyday resolutions. Um, some of those New Year, New You, better choices that you're hoping to accomplish in the, in the near future. Um, and uh, we're going to sneak down to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. At the very end of the chapter, there's a little verse tucked in. Um, and it's the greatest chapter on love in, in the Bible. Um, and it, it, there's a verse that serves as a footnote to the entire chapter, and it outlines three aspects of the Christian walk uh, that are each integral to your effectiveness, but for different reasons. So 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Um, before we look at why love is the greatest of the three, I, I want to spend a little time with the other two and unpack them a little. First of all, uh, you know, and, and I don't, uh, in the NAS, it uses the word abide, a few other translations. Uh, Strong's Concordance translates that Hebrew word, it's meno. Uh, it means to remain, uh, to not become different, 
not become something else um, than what's already there. It means stay with what you are. Um, what you are is not a result of you as a Christian. Uh, it's the work of Christ in you. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus talks a bit about abiding. Uh, it's probably familiar to some of you. And he makes it very clear that he is the vine and you're the branches. Now, I've seen vines without branches getting along just fine, but branches without vines don't do so good. Um, Christ is the solidity that you've been grafted into. And when Paul says to abide, to remain, to stay as you are, he just means to stay there in that place. You're there already. Just stay there in that place. Um, and let the three, these, these three different aspects of the Christian walk flow from that. So to start with, abide, these three, faith, hope, and love. Why faith? And what does it have to do with New Year's? Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. Without assurance and conviction that comes through faith, you will lack the God-given power to stay consistent with your walk uh, beyond what your own human willpower um, will handle, uh, which will give out pretty quickly. Um, th that doesn't last very long. Without assurance and conviction that comes through faith, um, you lack the fuel to continue for long, to persevere. Faith is the fuel behind the deeds of many of the great figures in the Old Testament stories. In, in Hebrews 11, uh, he goes through a list of them, of uh, many of the great figures from the Old Testament. And if you don't, you know, some of these stories are, are not overly popular. You know, some, you know, you've got David and Goliath, you know, those stories. But there are other people in there that aren't necessarily household names unless you're, you've gone through and read. So Hebrews 11 is a great little roadmap if you want to go through and just read some very, very inspiring stories. Um, it's kind of a treasure map to some of the, the best stories that the Bible has to offer. Um, but it tells you by faith, Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God. And by faith, Enoch didn't see death and he was taken um, to be with God. By faith, Noah was the instrument of salvation for his family. And by faith, Abraham became the father of nations, even though he was really old with no children. Um, by faith, Moses led the emancipation of the Israelites from the Egyptians through the Red Sea and through the wilderness. By faith, the wall of Jericho fell down before the Israelites, and by faith, Rahab and her family were saved by lending assistance to Joshua and his men. And if we pick up uh, Hebrews 11 in verse 32, it says, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weaknesses were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, and they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And the next verse says, their approval by God was gained through their faith. So in, in sports, um, baseball, for instance, when they're teaching you how to bat, they say, swing through your core. The strength's not in your arms, it's in your core. 
this is similar. In the same way, you need to function a life from the core of Christ's gift of faith because that's where your spiritual strength comes from. Uh, you will not be able to persevere very long without that faith. So faith is where we gain the strength. So what role does hope play? Faith, hope, and then love. Um, if faith is the, the motor, if faith is the fuel, if it's the power behind it, hope is the reason, hope is the why. If you have gas in your tank and you have no destination to go to, you know, you're, you're still not going to be very effective. You can have all the power in the world, but no way to direct it. Hope is the reason, and it's the why. Hope's mentioned roughly uh, 140 times in the Bible, and it always points towards something. Uh, towards your reward, towards the fulfillment of all things, towards the promises of God. Hope is like an arrow, um, drawing your attention towards your destination. If we have no hope, or if your hope is baseless or false, um, then you have absolutely no reason for change to become better, to grow closer to anybody. Um, there's no goal in sight that has any lasting value. Um, and a really good saying I heard before, a, um, you know, when you talk about uh, goal setting and everything like that, they say a goal without a plan is just a wish. Um, so you do need the power of the faith too, but you must have that goal. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. If your faith in Christ and your hope in your resurrection is completely baseless, if it doesn't exist, um, that, that's about the saddest thing I can think of. To live your whole life in, in, in hope of, of something bigger and something beyond and, and to die and for it not to exist. Um, hopeless. And what would be the point really of, of doing any of this? New Year's resolutions and changing for the better. You're going to be gone in less than half a decade probably. What's the point? Um, the point is that's not the case. Um, in Timothy, First Timothy, Paul was writing to, to his, uh, his student, uh, young man Timothy, and he says, for it is for this that we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men, especially unbelievers. And not a dead God, not a, not a former God, not in the past, is living, he's alive now. This is not a hope that's dead. It's not a hope that's just a wish. This, this is alive. Um, you know, and sometimes it's hard to feel that way. Sometimes you, you feel as, like, as if life might as well just have a sign like the gates of hell in Dante's Inferno that says, abandon hope, you know, all ye who enter here. Uh, but I want to tell you that you do have a why, and it's a concrete why. Um, it's there. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, for calamity to give you a future and a hope. And that's not important for just you, for you to have a hope for your own growth. But that's important for everyone who might be watching. Everyone who, who feels hopeless, who needs that hope, if you claim to have it, they're going to come to you. And they're going to want to know. They're going to test it. They're going to want to know why. First Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Uh, make a defense to everyone. There are going to be some that really aren't searching. They, they are just testing. They like to argue. You make a defense to those people too. 
uh, may not be for their souls, but it may be for everyone watching and listening. But most of the people that will come and they'll ask and they'll poke questions, um, they don't. They may not believe you, but part of them hopes it's true or wishes it was or thinks it would be right. And for those people, you need to always be ready to make a defense for the, the, the reason for the hope that's in you. That word defense in Greek is the word apologia. Um, but it's far from being an apology in the, in the modern sense. I was talking to a guy and I, I told him, because um, this has always been, the theology, um, the study of theology is more like Christian to Christian discussing aspects of the Bible. Apologetics is a different study that's more Christian towards the person who's asking, making the defense. And I always loved apologetics, learning about it. And I told a gentleman, he's like, well, why, why should we have to apologize for our faith? It's, it's, no, 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 it's, it's completely different. We do get the term apology from that word, but it means defense. It's far from an apology. It's a reasoned, rational response uh, to anyone who asks questions. Um, you know, I, there, there was a group, uh, I don't even think they're still existing. It was a group of atheists, and they were militantly atheists, and they created what they called the Rational Response Squad. And they were, they were taking on different aspects of Christianity. And I was in my teens, and I was on the online forum. And so we created a biblical response squad. And because you're on a group of nobody but Christians, we didn't really get to argue with anybody. But, um, uh, but you know, that was always, that was what I enjoyed to do. I, you know, if they question, if they want to poke holes in your argument, you need to be there and be able to show them, here's the reason for the hope. And whether they want that reason or not, there may be somebody who's on the fence sitting and watching and wanting to know which side comes out. And that's for them. Speaking about people who may be watching, let's move on to the greatest of the three, faith, hope, and love. If faith is the how and hope is the why, love is the vehicle we use, which I think is why it is the greatest of the three, because it's the most visible. You can have faith and nobody would ever know it if you're not acting it out in love. You could have hope and nobody would ever know it unless you were speaking it in love. That's why I think love is the greatest of the three because it's the most visible. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And 2 Corinthians eight twenty four says, Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. So we all know people, and sometimes we know those people because they're us, um, who have been damaged by denominations or burned by believers or cut by people who would call themselves Christians, and many of them may be. Um, if you were in your teens in the uh, mid-2000s, you're probably really familiar with this quote if you were in, uh, uh, in church, uh, youth group or whatever. But uh, it's a quote by a man named Brennan Manning. He once said that the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. And that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Uh, and he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. Um, so to those who have been hurt out of immaturity and a lack of love for the church, um, if I were to talk to those people for a moment, first of all, uh, I'm extremely sorry. That's not the role of a Christian. Uh, that's not the role of a church. Um, that's not necessarily the role of a human. Um, and I'm 
I'm sorry it ever happened to you. Um, but if we're to talk about it for a minute, you have to understand that the church, by nature of what it is, which is a hospital for broken people, is full of broken people. And broken people, damaged people, damage people. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, but if you think about the world in general, the world is, you know, if the church is full of a lot of damaged people, it's because the world is full of a lot of damaged people. Most of us are. Um, but I would just encourage you, don't let that stop you from trying again. Uh, you'll, you may get in a relationship with somebody, um, a, a partner or a spouse, and they'll hurt you and it'll be a breakup. But we still look for love. We still go to try and find somebody. Um, you may be working a job where you've been fired or you quit, where they were horrible, just a horrible work environment. That doesn't stop you from working or finding employment. Don't get burned once by some individuals um, and then write off the whole experience and just say it's not for me. Because there's a lot of value here that you're going to miss because of that. Um, don't write off the church because the action's for a few. And you might very well be the ingredient for the change that we need. And if you're sitting at home on your couch, you may not be able to ever help the issue. So what does operating in love look like? Well, thankfully, we've got a whole chapter on it. If we start at verse 1 in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul creates this list, this, this itemized checklist of here is what love looks like. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Because love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails which is why I believe that love is the greatest of the three. All three are important. If you have love without faith, you're not going to have the power to see it out. And if you have love without hope, you're not going to have a reason to see it out. But you have either faith or hope without love, and you're not effective. Um, and a quick, quick side note, I guess. Uh, a lot of times I'll hear the phrase, you know, and you've probably heard it too, um, tough love. And so there are times that acting in love might be the most uncomfortable thing that you will have to do for both parties involved. Um, sometimes acting in love will mean that you have to take a really tough line with somebody. But I've also heard that phrase used as an excuse to act in ways that aren't loving for a better purpose. Now, well, I've got a reason for it, therefore it's tough love. Um, you have to follow those guidelines in 1 Corinthians 13 because if you're going to call it tough love and you're not being kind, it's not love. You can be tough and kind. If, if you are acting in tough love and you're acting impatiently or you're provoked, 
you're doing it because you're angry um, and for no other reason, it's not tough love. Tough love must still follow those guidelines. If you, are, if you have to enact tough love on someone, but you are unable to do it kindly, you are unable to do it with love, plain and simple. Kind does not mean you cannot be firm, direct, or outspoken, but it must be saturated with love and a degree of, of gentleness. Um, as a verse later in the Bible says, you know, um, if someone's caught in a sin, you or her spiritual should restore him gently. You can be gentle and firm. Sometimes there's, there's no room. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to make an allowance for sin, but you can still be kind. You can still be gentle and very firm. Philippians 2, 1 through 4, says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same, the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. And that is your testimony to an unbelieving world who's looking for a reason and some of them looking for you to fail. You can say all the words in the world, but if they are not able to feel the love from you, it won't mean a thing. So when we look at New Year's and we look at resolutions and we say, this year I'm going to lose 15 pounds or this year I'm going to read the Bible every day. <laughs> You're fine. We love you. Um, you do this without power, you're, you're going to last maybe, what, I forget, there's an average of how long they say people hold to New Year's resolutions, and it's insanely short. I don't think it's a month. I think it's like two weeks maximum. If you do not have the power to maintain these, these decisions you've made, um, you're not going to get very far. If you don't have a hope and a purpose towards them, you're not going to get very far. And if you don't do it in love, you're going to be ineffective anyway. So I don't want to focus too much on here's your, what your resolution could be. But whatever it is, you need to operate that way. Get your power from the faith in God, the hope in what he's promised you, and do it in love. And you'll find uh, maybe those New Year's resolutions will, will stick around uh, a little bit longer than two weeks. And we don't really, again, this is not a way that we should operate just in January. This is a way we should operate all 12 months of the year. You know, maybe it will just help you on a day-to-day -day basis to live as a child of God. Um, I mean, I just wanted to bring some direction and encouragement um, and invite you to partake of the strength you need for the road ahead, which 2021 was hard, 2022 maybe too. Um, we won't know until we get through it. I know at the end of 2020, we all thought, yes, good riddance to bad rubbish. We're into 2021, and then 2021 was kind of more of the same. So um, we know in this life we will have struggles and trials. But this maybe will give you a little encouragement and a little, little strength to uh, continue on. To um, remember your destination through hope and to remember to walk every step in love. Uh, if you're not even to that point yet, if you're not even there yet, uh, you absolutely can be. The Bible says that those who would come to God must first believe that He is. If you don't believe God exists you're, and you're, you're going looking for nothing, you're going to find nothing. You must first believe that he is. And you have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him.
that if you want to find him, he'll let you find him. Um, a life given to him is not a life lost. It's a life given to the master craftsman to be fixed and shaped properly and then given back in a completeness that's unattainable without him. Um, so you can give your life to him today, and I, and I wouldn't put it off. Um, there's a finite amount of opportunities. If you're listening and you haven't done it yet, there's a finite amount of opportunities you will have to take him up on his offer. And every one passed is one more you're not getting back. Um, and I would encourage anyone, if they haven't made that step, to do that today. And it's simple. It's easy. Uh, it's as simple as, just as, as telling God, I'm done doing it on my own. Um, I'm giving you control of my destiny. I'm asking you to forgive my sins and to wash me clean, and I'm asking you to come into my life to stay. And that's, that's it. And meaning it. And that opportunity is open to you. Every breath you have, but every breath you take is one more that you're not getting back. And we don't know what, uh, as Phil's pointed out many times, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what your drive home brings. It could be a semi. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your strength of bringing us through 2021. We thank you for the freshness that a new year brings, and we ask that you help us endure whatever it may bring in the trials that are ahead. We ask that you help us have the faith in you and your son to act as you would have us to act, that your word is truth, and to act accordingly. We thank you for the hope that you've given us in the wonderful resurrection through your Son. The hope that you who have taken control of our lives mean us good. And that you know what plans you have for us. And it's to prosper us and not to harm us. And that you are loving. And we thank you for the love that you first showed us. By sending your Son to die for us. And even more importantly to live for us. To bring us to life in you. And thank you that that love that you've shown us, you've helped us to emulate to others. Forgive us when we haven't. We know that some are harmed by those that, uh, that are enabled, maybe because they haven't fully partaken of the love that you've shown them, unable to show it to others. But help us not to be those. If they speak of us, help, us, help them to know that we are Christians by our love. The love that you've shown us that we can then show to others. We thank you for all the gifts that you've given us each other and fellowship and your glorious son. We ask that every step we take and every decision we make is for the furtherance of your kingdom and your glory. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.